Welcome to the Rescue Church Podcast. Our desire is to see every person find a life full of freedom and purpose through Jesus. We hope this message inspires and encourages you today. Enjoy. Well, good morning, Rescue Church. So happy to be with you again today for Rescue at Home. I hope that uh, you're doing well today. I hope you have some warm coffee. hope you've had a good morning. And uh, really excited to continue um, a conversation that we've been having over the past few weeks. Although we are, we've concluded our Mountains and Valleys series, uh, this is going to kind of serve as a bridge between what we've been talking about and the direction that I feel the Lord leading us in the next few weeks. And so we're going to still kind of camp out right here at Acts chapter 2. So if you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn there, Acts chapter 2 verse 42. And I'll go ahead and tell you, as I've been sharing all week with you over social media, and some of you that receive the church communication, the weekly supply drop, you know that today we want to be able to give you an update about where we are as a church, kind of what our plans are moving forward. And we're definitely going to get to that. We're going to get to that plan here in just a few moments, but I thought it important for us to do that from the filter of God's Word, through the filter of Scripture. And so, Um, I'm going to jump right into this because I want to make sure I leave enough time on the back end to adequately walk through this plan with you. Uh, So let's look at this. Acts chapter 2, verse 42 through 47. This is a passage that we have looked at extensively over the past few weeks. This is about the early believers, the first church, okay, the collective of believers. It says, verse 42, that they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. So go ahead and highlight that. Verse 43 says, As they did this, everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. And every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. Every day there was this dailiness to their rhythm, to their routine. They broke bread in their homes and they ate together with glad and sincere hearts. Verse 47, praising God and enjoying the favor of all people and the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. So what a beautiful picture and concept for believers, for a community of people who have put their faith in Jesus to devote themselves To these four things, the devotion of the word, fellowship, the breaking of bread, and prayer. And right off the bat, we, you know, just want to highlight, we're doing this. Our church is moving in this same rhythm. We devote ourselves to the teaching of God's word every single Sunday right here for Rescue at Home. Also on Wednesday nights, every single Wednesday at 8 o'clock p.m., I go live on YouTube for what we're calling Head to Heart which is an opportunity, an invitation to take the information from our head into application and transformation in our heart. And so we invite you to be a part of that as well. Then there's the fellowship. This looks very different right now for us, right? Like As much as we would love to be together face-to-face, and even though we're entering into phase one for our state and our city, still we're choosing to allow co-ops to exist online. And so we are devoting ourselves to fellowship It just looks different in this season. I just want to encourage you, man. Like, Though we may be socially distanced from one another right now, it doesn't mean we have to be socially disconnected. And so go to rescuechurchnc.com or use the Church Center app 
and get signed up for a co-op if you're not already a part of one. And then there's the breaking of the bread. Here in this context, we know that the believers, the early church, it, that consisted of both the Lord's Supper, Communion, and sharing meals with one another. So every single Friday, we honor the Sabbath, we honor the Lord of the Sabbath, Jesus, and we take communion in our homes. And I cannot wait to be able to invite some of you into my home and to share this moment with you. But hey, we're still going live every Friday at 7 o'clock for the next few weeks to demonstrate this for you on both Facebook and YouTube. We want to devote ourselves to this rhythm. And then this past Sunday, Brooke gave a great message, a great invitation in to a life of prayer. What does a life of uh, devoted to prayer look like? It was a simple invitation and to see what that aligned us with and what that gave us access to. And so it's in this passage that we see these four things that the early believers devoted themselves to, but there's six like dynamics that I just want to highlight that I think are very, very important. This isn't going to take but just a few minutes. I'm not going to preach on it as much as just show you where this is present in the scripture. And then we're going to go into our plan for rescue at home for the next few months. And so the first thing is these early believers, this, this, this first church, if you will, they were in agreement. What were they in agreement about? Well, they were in agreement in the mission and the vision that God gave them. And so Matthew 28, 19, you may know this as the great commission. Okay, so Jesus gave this to us, the early believers first, and now us. And it's this, it says, therefore, go and make disciples of all nations. And so they take the very mission of Jesus to heart, and they're all in agreement. We know just by looking at this passage for the past few weeks, that the, the hundred or 20 or so people that are gathered in this room are very diverse. There's all different ethnicities and gender, men and women both represented in this room. But despite all of that, they are in agreement of one thing, what Jesus asked them to do. And so in Acts 2.1, it starts off by saying they were in one place, all together in one accord. They were all together. That, that phrase, one accord, means of unanimous mind. Not that what made them unique was cast aside. Not that we all have to be blanketed into this cookie-cutter mold type of certain person or personality. But just that despite our differences, despite what makes us unique, we are all coming into agreement. And that's what makes agreement so important. Agreement is formed when preferences and privileges are laid down. And the early believers were in agreement. And for us to continue to move forward as a community that truly exists to bring people into a life of freedom and purpose through Jesus, we need to be in agreement. We must be willing to lay down our preferences, lay down our privileges, and come in agreement. The second thing is they were empowered by the Holy Spirit. I preached on this two weeks ago, the, the filling of the Holy Spirit. And here's what I know. God always shows up when there's agreement. It is a principle that he, he stands on, that he proves true throughout scripture, right? God always shows up when there is agreement. And so here we are, Acts 2.1. They're all together in one place of the same heart and same mind in agreement. Verse four says, 
all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them to do. Immediately, they were able to relate and communicate with people of all ty- all ethnicities, all languages, to be able to proclaim and share the good news of Jesus. You see this empowerment. I mean, Peter literally went from denying Christ a few chapters earlier and throughout the Gospels when he denied Christ into now boldly proclaiming the gospel in front of the very people and who were in the crowds and who were responsible for crucifying Jesus. Such boldness and courage filled his life when he was empowered by the Holy Spirit. The, the disciples themselves, many of them went from fishermen to martyrs willing to lay their life down for this mission that God had given them and for the cause of Jesus. On this day, Acts chapter 2, which we're going to celebrate at the end of the month, Pentecost, today the Holy Spirit came to us as believers. Mission found the men and the women in the upper room that day, and it set the world on fire. And over the next few weeks, we're going to continue to break down the Holy Spirit with a new series called Signs and Symbols. And we're going to continue our journey from the tomb of Jesus to the upper room. And really, I want to show you this this transition that we go through as, as believers, as people, that we go from the beginning of God for us. I want to show you how through God's Spirit, so many times He shows up to prove that He's for us. And then, of course, Jesus arrives, Emmanuel, God's Spirit incarnated in flesh and bone, right? Jesus, God with us. And then ultimately, Acts 2, God in us. So we're going to continue that conversation because it's important that we understand that the early believers were empowered by the Holy Spirit. Number three, they preached a relevant and simple and true message. So just think about this. God, His presence, His Spirit drew the crowd. Peter brought a message with clarity and simplicity And over 3,000 people that day on the spot gave their life to Jesus. He didn't rely on gimmicks. He just relied on the grace of Jesus. And here's the thing. They preached it, but they didn't just preach it with their words. They preached it with their lives. It goes back to Acts 1, 4, and 1, 8. We've talked about this a few times over the past month. But the wording there is that when you receive the power of the Spirit, you will be witnesses. Your life will be a witness. Listen, the church didn't gather in a building for almost 300 years after Jesus. But here we see in the scripture that Peter proclaims a message, and not just his words, but the lives of the other believers was was as such a witness to the goodness and grace of Jesus that over 3,000 people in one day gave their life to Jesus. Not from a building, not from a really awesome worship set, not from a really perfectly crafted sermon. The Bible says ordinary men. And the people were astonished by these uneducated, unordinary men because they could tell that they had been with Jesus. They didn't just preach it with their words. They preached it with their life. And where did they preach it? Not in a building. They preached it from their homes. They preached it in the streets. 
not with their words only, but their life, their families, their relationships. And through these last two things, their hunger. In other words, they kept that same energy. From Acts 2, from the upper room, they kept that same energy and it propelled them forward. It says in Acts 2, Verse 42 and 43, they devoted themselves, we know this, to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. They adopted this rhythm that Jesus modeled with his life. They adopted it as their own. And the Bible says, as they kept that same energy, as they stay humble and they stayed hungry, that they were filled with with all and many wonders and miraculous signs were done by the apostles. They took the words of Jesus to heart in Matthew 5, 6. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Keep that same energy. And this is really going to be something that we talk about here in just a minute, because here's the thing. We all can remember, we can all recount services and conferences and moments where we're gathered together all under one roof. There's something powerful that happens. There's an amazing experience with Jesus and worship is powerful and the word, you know, pierces our heart and it leaves us wanting to become better and be better. But how hard is it to keep that same energy when you leave? Like after service is over and you go back home, or you go back into the workforce, or you're back in school the next day, how hard is it to keep that same energy? And what would our lives look like if we did keep that same energy? Somehow, through all of this COVID-19 quarantine, my wife has convinced me to sign up for a half marathon. Now, I hate running. Growing up, playing sports, it was always punishment. You know what I mean? Like, go run laps, go go run sprints. At the end of a, you know, you work your tail off in practice, and then the last thing you have to do before you leave to go home is run sprints. Even, like, that was, I felt like it was punishment for me as a kid growing up. And although my, my dad was trying to train me, I took it as, man, he doesn't like me. He's just making me run all the time. So I hate running. And here I've let my wife talk me in to doing a half marathon with her. But here's the catch. It's a Disney marathon. And so we got on YouTube the other night and we were just kind of watching like what the experience would be like. What would it be like from a you know POV? And so we're watching this race start off and there's you know Mickey Mouse on the PA counting you down. And he's like, all right, you know, all right, go. And all of a sudden all these fireworks start going off. And it's like, I wasn't even at the race yet, and I was hyped up, and then you get to run into Magic Kingdom, and so halfway through the race, you're running up to Cinderella's Castle and Magic Kingdom and all the things, and then as I saw the race unfold, when you leave Magic Kingdom, there's about a three-mile stretch where it's just nothing. There's no characters, there's no fireworks, there's no Disney Castle, and you've got to push through until you get to the end. And at the end, you end up at Epcot, which is another really cool spot there in Disney. And I can just see myself, like I'm so motivated right now. I've, I've been running. I went out and bought new shoes. Come on. So I feel, I feel like I'm really doing it right. Come on. Um, I just got to keep that same energy when those mileage start 
adding up. I got to keep that same energy, just already preparing myself mentally that when I get to Magic Kingdom, it's going to be hype. But when we leave and I got to push through those last three or four miles, I got to keep that same energy about me. And the last dynamic that I want to point out that we really see the early church give themselves to it. This is, becomes part of who they are as a result of being in agreement, being filled with the Spirit, and devoting themselves and staying hungry. The natural overflow of this was that they released that love outwardly, both for one another, they took care of their community, but also their neighbor. They had a heart for the house, but also the house next door. 1 John 3.16 says, This is how we know what love is, that Jesus Christ laid down his life for us. And so we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers. And, and friends, this is the definition of community. Again, when we lay down preferences and we lay down our privilege and we understand that we is greater than me and that we is stronger than me and that I need you and that you need me. And, and we'll do a deeper study of this eventually, but there's three things that when community exists, when agreement exists in a community, there's three things that happen. Unity, accountability, and security. Unity, accountability, and security. And when those things take place, we see in Acts 2, verse 44 through 45, all the believers were together, agreement, had everything in common, unity, selling their possessions and goods, they gave to anyone as he had need. They didn't just do this for one another. They did this for their neighbor. They did this for the community around them. And as a result of all these things, these dynamics that we've pointed out here this morning, Acts 2.47 says, they gained the favor of all the people, even the people not like them, even the people who didn't believe like they believed, they gained the favor of all people and the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. And Jesus did it at such a rate that by Acts chapter 6, they had to form a team and leadership structure in order to manage all of it. And Brooke and I really believe that if we as believers, if we as a church can move in this rhythm, if we can adopt this rhythm into our own personal life, devote ourselves to the teaching of God's word, devote ourselves to fellowship, devote ourselves to breaking bread, taking the Lord's Supper, remembering the Sabbath and resting in who God is, and also sharing meals together over the table and devoting ourselves to prayer, that we will see these same things take place in our life and in our city. There is power in the pattern. And over the last few months, while we've been really since February, from the moment we realized that the trailer had been stolen, God has begun to unpack for us that the home has always been the centerpiece of the church. In fact, when you look at the two institutions that God orchestrated and implemented, first it was the family, then it was the organized church. First family, then church. In addition to this, it's all people who make up the church 
not just the pastor, that are part of what the Bible calls the priesthood of all believers. And so just to give you a little heads up, we're going to spend the next two or three weeks talking about the Holy Spirit. And then we're going to go into this conversation about the priesthood of every believer. And when I say that, here's the simplest way I can define it for you, is that there are things that you as a believer can do and should do that many people, especially here in the South and in our in America, just leave it up to the pastor to do it. And we put all of our stock and we put all of our dependency on a pastor or a personality or a Sunday morning one-hour service. And while we're thankful for gatherings and while we're thankful for buildings and we're thankful for the one hour a week on Sundays that we, we get a chance to get together under one roof in one place. Not having these does not mean that you and I are not fully equipped to be the church. If I wasn't able to bring you a message, and thank God because of technology, I can't. But if I was not able to bring you a message every single week, you need to know that you are fully equipped to still grow and lead yourself and your family, and your and love on your neighbor the same way that you would if we were able to meet like we were doing three or four months ago. We are the church, and His church, no matter where we gather. And so here's what I know, is that since February, our trailer was stolen. A few weeks later, we find out COVID-19 has reached us locally, and so, of course, we go into quarantine, and we've been in quarantine for, what, now eight, nine weeks. And the church hasn't stopped. We haven't stopped yet. We are still devoting ourselves to the teaching of God's Word. Co-ops were launched and are thriving. We're still reaching and loving our city every single Wednesday. Justin Mitchell and I are delivering about 40 to 50 meals across the city to people who do not have food, do not have the ability to go and get food. We are able to partner with Durham Public Schools and bring them meals. But the church hasn't stopped, and we have no intention of doing so. Have you ever been on a trip? So, you know, Brooke and I recently had a chance to drive uh, through some of the Blue Ridge Parkway in the mountains. And have you ever been on a drive where you've seen like just a beautiful scenery around you? But if you're the one driving... Uh, it's probably not a good idea for you to be looking out the window and looking at everything. Like if you're riding shotgun or you're in the back, you can definitely observe a little more. But even then, it's a brief observation. And the thing I love about the Blue Ridge Parkway here in North Carolina is you can, they have all these like pullover sites. So you come to this big, massive valley or this beautiful, rigid mountain that you want to stop and look at. You can pull off to the side and get out of your car and look at it. Whereas if I was driving, maybe I get a glance. If I'm riding, I get about a 10-second view, and then we keep going. That's what leading a church is like. <laughs> going 90 miles an hour down the road, seeing some things that you want to stop and look at, but knowing you really can't. Because guess what? Sunday comes every seven days, and there's a lot of work to be done in between those services 
not only to prepare for the service, but also to be with the people that call the church home. And so what Corona has afforded us the opportunity to do, and this is not me diminishing any of the heartache and anxiety and stress that maybe you have been feeling during this time. I get that it's brought a lot of different things in a lot of different ways to people. But one of the positives is it has allowed Brooke and I and our family to stop the car, get out, and observe the landscape of our church and to observe where we are and to listen to what God is speaking in our hearts and to invite the Holy Spirit to be on the throne of not just my personal life, but also this church. And so this is an area that God has really been stirring us in, and I cannot wait to share it with you more and unpack it more over these next few weeks. And we're going to devote every Sunday for the next few weeks to doing just that. As we understand more about the Holy Spirit, and as we understand more about the priesthood of believers, you are going to see what God's plan was for believers and for the church, and that it was never intended to just be about one person on a stage, on a platform. It was never intended to be just about one service on a Sunday morning, but it should transcend every area of your life and that you have access and authority and power to do the very same things that I do every single Sunday. And I cannot wait to share this with you. So here are some things that we know. And this is how this is, we're going to start going into our rescue at home plan now. Um, and I want you to know that this plan will cooperate with health guidelines of our state and our area. And the main goal of this is first to be able to answer your immediate questions, such as, as the state and our city are opening back up, what does it look like for us as a church to gather with 10 or less, 50 or less, 100 or less, or a hundred and more, what does that look like for us to be able to gather? And then those of you in a huge makeup of our church are our families, our young parents and young kids. So we want to make sure we come alongside and answer the question of how are we planning to help you as parents and your kids when at home in this process. So in concurrence with Governor Cooper and our local city officials, we have drawn up a three-phase plan for our church that's going to last at this present moment, if I had to estimate, anywhere from May through August. And the goal is we want to adhere to what our officials are saying, but also want to take into consideration you, right? And so we have based this plan on what we know right now. And as you know, this thing is rapidly changing and it's been evolving since day one. But right now, this is the plan that we feel uh, is best for us as a community moving forward. So I'll, I'll just go ahead and tell you the three phases and then I'll try to give you like an overall goal that we have and then we'll spend a few minutes breaking down each phase a little bit more. So the first one is phase one. That's May. That's right now where we are. And the main goal with that is to continue our rescue at home online services the way that we are currently doing it through the end of the month. And so I think we'll have two more Sundays in this month that we will gather just like this. You'll get rescue at home brought to you digitally. 
You can cast it up on your TV. You can watch it on your computer, your phone, and you'll be able to worship there in your home. And that is just, even though the state is opening back up, and even though we're entering into phase one as a, as a you know, local society, I realize a lot of you are still very apprehensive about getting out. And the reality is we just don't know, right? I mean, just because some people think it's okay to get out, we really don't know until we've had a few weeks to see for ourselves what this is actually going to look like. And so we don't want to force anything. And I just feel like doing this right here and, and kind of bringing this to you in your, in your own space is a lot better than us trying to gather and stay six feet apart and wear a mask and you hold your kids because we wouldn't be able to offer any type of kid services. Uh, it's just, I think this should just be better. And so we're going to stay right here the way we've been doing it through the end of May. Then when June arises and uh, as a state and a local government, as we start getting into phase two, we want to move into phase two as a church. And again, I think this is going to be around June. And this would be the big transition is that we would continue to do rescue at home, but we would love to be able to break that down into four to five host homes. Now, watching right now, based demographically on our church, I'm not talking about, you know, the friends that we've had be able to join us just as a result of them not having church. I, I love that. And I'm, I'm so thankful that you're watching this, but you belong to a church. So I'm talking directly to the people that uh, call Rescue Church home, or maybe you don't have a church and, and this is something you want to be involved in. We have uh, a strong base in Durham, obviously, Raleigh, Morrisville area, and Goldsboro. And so our hope and prayer is that we can find four to five homes, in fact, we have most of them lined up already, that will host 10 to 15 families or individuals in their spaces for rescue at home. So rather than us all gathering together at Rogers Hill Middle School, you would be able to attend and worship in a home with other friends and people based on your region, based on your demographic, depending on where you are. And so that would be the big transition there is Rescue at Home would move from just my individual home to either joining other individuals and families or opening up my home and hosting individuals and families to participate in service together. Um, and again, we'll talk more about that in detail in just a moment. In addition to that, our co-ops will also transition to be face-to-face -face as well. So we'll finally be able to be with people still keeping those gatherings ideally under 20, no more than 30 people, depending on um, like a meetup. If it's a guys meetup, usually there's potentially 20 to 25 guys that may show up to that. Um, but keeping our rescue at home Sundays and our co-ops no more than about 20 people. And then we get into phase three, which we believe will come sometime in July, possibly in August right now. This, again, this is based on our current information. It's always likely to change. But July and August, we would continue rescue at home in our host homes. But here's a new facet that we would implement. By then, we feel like it would be um, based on just health guidelines and standards. It would be acceptable to begin sharing a meal with each other. 
and breaking bread with one another. And so once a month in those rescue at home gatherings, your home with all of your friends and your family, like not just your immediate family, but your church family, okay, would, would take communion together and you would share a family meal together after church. And of course, our co-ops would continue to meet face to face. And so now let's just talk briefly about each phase a little bit more in depth, just so you have a clear picture. And not only are we going to have this on the screen for you, but I'll have this entire plan in a PDF form available for you. It'll be dropped in the comments if you're watching on Facebook and YouTube, and it will be available under the notes button if you're watching at rescueathome.org. But right here on this grid for phase one, you can see it's kind of, you know, broken down into four quadrants. Sunday morning, again, we're going to keep doing Rescue at Home as is. Friday night, we really want to invite you as individuals and as families to start participating in the Friday table. It doesn't have to be anything super complicated. We've made it very simple. We've got a great resource that we have handy for you that will literally walk you through step by step how to lead yourself or your family and eventually other friends in a Sabbath meal to honor the Sabbath, to honor the Lord of the Sabbath, Jesus, and start breaking that into your, your routine, your weekly rhythm. The third thing is co-ops. Again, our co-ops exist to um, see people grow together and grow with God on this journey. And this adventure. And so really want to strongly encourage you to be a part of that. If you're not already, they will continue to meet online. And then the very last one you see here is the host home training. And so while we've already identified a few homes, if you're hearing this today and you're like, man, I would love to be able to open up my home and invite people into it to worship, to hear God's word, to fellowship, to break bread, all those things, then I would love to have a conversation with you. And so right now in the comments are um, an opportunity for you to do that. Just simply click the link right there where it says host home training. You'll see a form just ask you for your name and email. Um, and then I will reach out to you personally this week and we will begin having that conversation about what this is going to look like. In fact, every single Sunday, we will continue to record Rescue at Home and send it to our host homes, um, and you'll just be responsible for kind of hosting that morning. You'll host your friends, you'll host your family, and eventually we'll be able to break bread together, fellowship, pray for one another, and truly do church and not just watch church. And so very, very excited about that. Let's move into phase two. This again, ideally would be around June, anywhere from 10 to 50 people together, Sunday mornings, that's when we would implement the host homes. Friday night tables would continue, but we would really start encouraging you to bring people into that environment with you. In fact, uh, in June, uh, I intend to invite couples from rescue over to my house to experience that with me and my family. And it would be great if you plan to do the same thing. Co-ops would also move into face-to-face -face gatherings, but then also start doing things relationally like we were doing back before COVID arrived. And then the fourth thing you see here, this is another practical thing that we just want to give a resource to you. We want to invite you, Acts 2.42, to devote yourself to. And that's this dailiness 
of prayer. And you're going to hear more about this as we get closer. Brooke and I are working on a resource right now that's literally going to guide you and show you exactly what to do. Uh, not to serve as like a regimented, like this is how you do it. This is how you should do it, when you should do it. But a just think as a, of a map. Like here's what it looks like. You make the choice and how you get there. But there, it's very, very important. This dailiness. Jesus modeled this dailiness. We're talking about it on Wednesday nights with the Lord's Prayer. Give us this day our daily bread. There's this dailiness there. And as we've read and talked about even this morning, the early church devoted themselves to the dailiness of prayer. And then phase three, again, host homes happening on Sunday morning. Friday night tables are are thriving and ongoing. You're continuing to bring people into those moments with you. Co-ops continuing on, meeting face-to-face, doing life together, really building that trust and redemptive community. And then this fourth aspect, again, is we we implement these family meals once a month on Sunday mornings with your team. Excuse me. Um, on Sunday mornings with those of you that are in your home, you gather around the table, we take communion together, and we share a meal together because it's important to live life around the table. So now, I, let me just answer this question because I know all of you are thinking, this sounds cool. I'm really excited about this. I, I, I love hanging out with friends and family. I love being around the table. But when are we going to be back at Rogers Hearn Middle School? And I'll just tell you this, as soon as we believe it to be safe, and we're already working on a few projected ideas, but as soon as we believe it to be safe, we will gather all together in one place. Believe me, I miss it. I know I miss it more than you do. Like I miss being with you. I miss being in those environments. It's just not safe to pull off yet. At least it's, I don't feel like we could be us in that type of environment. And I just think continuing this path of phase one and then eventually moving into the homes is going to be our best route. In terms of rescue kids, again, I know that's going to be another question, so I'll just go ahead and address it now, and we'll talk about it more. Again, we're not doing this next week. We still are a few weeks away from transitioning into this, but right now um, we have our rescue kids um, kind of broken down into two different homes, and so if you are a family with young kids Um, On those mornings of Rescue at Home, your kids will have kind of a blended mixture of family worship and then a concentrated time of their own, where basically we take the Rescue Kids experience and we bring it into a bonus room or loft. So don't worry, we still have that going strong. And something I'm really excited about is this week, parents, you're going to receive information about our parent co-op. And so while we have a men's co-op and a women's co-op, uh, those aren't exclusive for families or for, you know, those of you that are married, those of you that have kids. Those are for any male or any female to participate in. But we want to come alongside parents. And again, we want to exist to help you to win at home. And so Corey and Marie Martin are going to be taking the reins of our parent co-op and walking alongside you. And you're going to receive information about that this week. So be on the lookout for that as we go on that journey together as well. We want to help you win, and we're committed to that. And so uh, that's that's our plan moving forward. And here's the crazy thing that I haven't shared with too many of you yet, but this is something that God was stirring inside of us 
long before coronavirus got here. Coronavirus just gave us the opportunity to stop and get out of the car and survey the land just for a little. And here's what we do know. While I can't tell you what this is going to exactly look like 6 to 12 months from now, because we just don't know the nature of all this. Here's what I do know is that we received word from Rogers Hur Middle School this past week that Durham Public Schools has decided to cancel all facility rental leases indefinitely. And so originally our plan or what we knew was that by August we would be able to get back into the school. But as of right now, there is no timetable to return. And the reality is we may never be able to return to Rogers Hur Middle School. Now, while we have an outstanding relationship with them, and this is out of the administration's hand, this is a countywide decision. The reality is we just don't know. And so, again, this is not a reaction to that because I just found out a week ago. But it is confirmation to me and Brooke and our leadership that we were moving in the right direction long before this happened. And so we're still working on a few places that we can gather all together in one place, under one roof, or maybe under one sky, maybe do some outdoor things. We're working on that now. We plan to do that throughout the summer. But I just need you, I share that with you because I need you to go all in on this. And I know that it's going to be different. And so many of you that have church experience, all you know is that Sunday morning, one hour, one and a half hour kind of gathering. And and I'm not saying that that's wrong. I'm not saying that that isn't good or that doesn't honor Jesus. But I'm just saying we have an opportunity to truly lean into the rhythm of the first church, the early believers that brought forth the signs and the miracles and the awe and the life change, the deep transformative life change by committing themselves to a certain rhythm and committing themselves to one another and ultimately to committing themselves to Jesus. And so for at least the next few months, Rescue Church is one church, one family with many homes. And I'm excited to continue to unroll this and unpack this with you over the next month. So I love you. I want to pray for you really quick, and then I'm going to close out. God, thank you so much for your goodness. Thank you so much for your sovereignty. Thank you so much for your providence, because there's so much in this that I don't know. There's so much that we don't know. God, I'm so thankful you sit outside of that. You sit outside of what we understand and what we don't understand. And so it's you that we lean on. It's you that we are dependent on. God, I pray that you would uh, give us the courage to continue to devote ourselves to the teaching of your word, the fellowship together, the breaking of bread, and prayer. And God, that we would exemplify, as we do these things, we would exemplify these dynamics of an Acts 2 church and acts to believer and and as brooke said last week the scripture that we read the power of what we read the blessing of what we read the passion of what we read wouldn't just remain words on a page but it would become 
a reflection of our life. It would become our life. And it's in your name I pray. Amen and amen. Hey, listen, I know that um, you may have some questions, and that's great because on Wednesday night, during Head to Heart, I'm going to take Q&A from you about anything that you heard here today. That's Wednesday night at 8 o'clock on YouTube at 8 p.m. But also right now, don't forget, in the comments, there's a link to download this plan for yourself, a PDF version that you can have. Um, and then the third thing is, as you have heard this, if you want to be involved, possible uh, a host home, or you want to be involved in just helping be leading what that Sunday morning would look like, there is a link that you can click to fill out a card in which I will contact you. Uh, but the reality is, man, like we have a chance to do something really, really special as we move forward still as one church and one family with many homes. I love you guys, and I will talk with you next week. Thank you for listening. Join us each week here on the pod or live in Durham. Keep up with us by following us on Facebook and Instagram at Rescue Church NC. 